0: Hey guys, it's your girl, Adam, also known as the CEO, paralegal, author, legal consultant, legal educator, and of course, your host of the Let's Talk Paralegal podcast. Join in on the fun by downloading, subscribing, and sharing our content. You can also take your support further by hitting the coin icon on the Let's Talk Paralegal website, where as a thank you, we will provide you with exclusive content, news, and maybe even some swag. So what are you waiting for? Hit pause and share your support now in this episode i get to speak with joseph george an alternative dispute specialist and former paralegal there are always alternative ways to get to a settlement agreement without going to trial however they are either rarely utilized or often not even known about Joseph and I speak all things alternative when it comes to disputing legal matters, regardless of what side of the table you sit on. Listen in for more. Need an extra set of hands for a case that requires a little more investigation work? Check out our proud sponsor of Season 3, Affirm Investigative Solutions, where you get the tailored and personal care for your case when you need it most. With over 10 years of experience, Affirm Investigative Solutions makes the process easy. Set up a call, develop a plan, and then execute that plan. Affirm Investigative Solutions, the litigation partner that has your back. Hi, Joseph. How are you? Welcome to the Let's Talk Paralegal podcast. I'm super excited to introduce you to our audience today. And hopefully they can learn a little thing or two about this um, what I call unicorn in the legal industry. You know, we, we know about it as paralegals. We're usually um, either um, scheduling for it, getting all the parties together, getting all the documents together. Um, you know, we're, we're usually just like the investigators um, when mm-hmm. it comes to, of course, mediation and arbitration or otherwise known as alternative dispute resolutions. Um, so, but it's like, we don't really know the ins and outs of it. Like what actually happens in that room as paralegal sometimes, um, unless we have the privilege to sit in those moments. So I'm really happy and excited to introduce this topic, especially to those that have never really been introduced to it, um, are probably in practice areas where they don't really use it a lot. It's not very common. Um, Mm -hmm. so thank you welcome and without further ado i want you to take a few minutes first to introduce yourself to our audience and kind of tell us the why right because we all have a why we all have a reason as to how we got to where we're at today so i would i i just want the audience to understand that so let's start off with that first
1: so good afternoon thank you again um for having me um such a beautiful day today well it's actually raining here in um jacksonville florida um but my name is joseph George. And I'm a mediator, and arbitrator, and negotiator. And I work for the different court systems here in Florida, as well as all my own private practice. I'm a partner in that practice where we handle um, different cases that come in, um, whether it's locally here in Florida or international clients. So we have that base also. Um, and, you know, I, me, myself, I transcended from a paralegal all the way up to mediator to arbitrator. So it's 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 been a fun segue, as I would like to say.
0: I love it. I love it. And tell us a little bit how that happened or what kind of Um, Because I I feel like, and before I finish the question, I feel like sometimes we get stuck in our ways. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't really think about what's next or what else can I do with my paralegal skills, which is kind of what the Let's Talk Paralegal podcast is in a nutshell, to give that incentive and give that empowerment to these amazing paralegals that we have that can do a lot more than just paralegal you know, skills and tasks and chase deadlines all day. Um, You know, we have these paralegals, especially senior or seasoned uh, paralegals, depending on your jurisdiction or your language, right? (laughs) We all have that legalese um, that kind of either find themselves at a crossroad at one point, either something triggers them, the, whether it's like a life, you know, milestone or something like that. So we all have that little push is what I like to call it, that little gentle push or that aha moment that tells us, okay, it's time for more or it's time for the next step. So what was that for you?
1: Um, For me, it was, uh, you know, I was working out with some different friends of mine and again, COVID, COVID kicked in and where I got a knee injury and sitting there and a friend was telling me about his mediation, um, um, class that he was supposed to go into and was unable to because COVID had you know just kicked in um, and I was while I was down I was doing a couple of um paralegal stuff a couple of attorney friends that know that I do it and helping them out with some dockets filing some stuff with the court systems as you know how that is it's attorneys don't like doing it
0: no, that's why they have us yeah that, yeah
1: exactly that's like a kiss of death. And you say, hey, can you file this with the courts? And they go like, uh, let's see. No. <laughs> exactly. So do, doing that with a couple of 20 friends and then uh, getting to see the different things that the mediators was doing. And then when my friend couldn't get in um, because of the COVID lockdown. And then when the courts finally opened back on up and they started allowing the classes online, that's when I jumped in it. Since I was laying in my bed, had nowhere to go anyway. <laughs> So I took the class and, and, and became a mediator. And then from that, um, went off to becoming an arbitrator, had that first, um, wanted to be more than just a paralegal, wanted to take that extra step to be able to offer that client something completely different, you know? Um, and a couple of my uh, attorney friends actually like that because they actually had outside people. So now it's like a one-shot deal when it comes to me. Now they could say, "Hey, you could do file the paperwork for the court for us. You could do the stipulation. You could do the mediation for us." You know, so it becomes you. You want to create value in yourself when you're out there in the work field. And a lot of people, uh, I, like you said, they get stuck in their ways and now Go to the dinosaur theory. If you get stuck in your way like a dinosaur, you're going to die out. Somebody else is always going to eat your food. If you think you're hungry now, there's always somebody more hungry than you that wants to eat your food. So you always have to innovate yourself and continue to keep moving forward and, and educating yourself. Keep going to all these different classes out there the paralegal seminars, um, any legal industry. There's a lot, uh, the Florida Bar offers a lot of classes also. The New York City bar offers a lot of CLE classes online um, that you could actually get some education because their zone is a little bit different than the Florida bar. They offer things like on the banking system, bankruptcy. They offer um, a lot of other classes that outside people could take. um, That's unless on their um, CLE webinars that they have. So uh, paralegals could go there and get that extra education out there and you know hr that's another field that paralegals would be good to be in is in the hr department also because um a lot of these any business that has an hr department has inside counsel so therefore if you have inside counsel you have a paralegal that's actually filing the worker with somewhere yeah. you know they always yeah. got those paralegals tucked away in a little shoebox. <laughs>
0: You know, what I always say, um, and I literally, it's so funny that you're saying this and that we're having this conversation right now, because I literally finished recording a YouTube video for my Mm -hmm. Talks with Etta uh, channel that we have, where people submit their questions and we respond to them via video. Um, So what there was in that video, I and I'll guys for you listening, I'll I'll put the link of the video on um, talking about um, after this, but Uh, In that video, that's what I talk about. I talk about what the reason why I named my event Limitless Paralegals, because we are limitless, you know, with our Mm -hmm. skills, it can transcend anywhere, it can transfer, it can create, Um, we're creators, um, and Mm -hmm. it can really go into any, any industry, we don't have to stay in the legal industry, we can go into the medical fields, we can go into the business world, and we can transfer our skills super transferable. I mean, our number one skill that I don't think really people notice is our customer service, our client experience. Yes. You know, we create that for mo- the bulk of the companies that we work for or with, in my case, um, in our cases. And mm-hmm. so understanding that that is value, like that yes. is if there's no customers, there's no business, right? If people are not buying, if people are not paying, there's not going to be a business. So understanding that that's like your biggest sell point um, and your highest skill, I mean, that's really important. You know, client communications, client experience, understanding the process and development and all that good stuff that we naturally do as paralegals or that we learn throughout our years of experience Mm. and years of working and dedication that's really where um, it happens. You know, that's really where the magic happens and where people and people don't understand that. Right. Especially paralegals. We underestimate ourselves. We get stuck. We don't know what to do. We, we get stuck in the in and out and, you know, going through the continuous um, back and forth and, and the deadlines and we get so caught up. I call it in the chaos of it all that we don't have time to like get up and breathe and say, wait, I can do more, you know, I can do something yes. more than what I'm doing now, maybe I can do this on top of something such as yourself and such as me, you know, we mm-hmm. still offer paralegal services, but on top of that, we offer other services. Yes. Um, so understanding that it is quite limitless. And back to your point about the Florida bar and the New York bar, uh, American bar, the American bar yes. association offers a lot of free CLEs, mm-hmm. especially if you're their members, and their membership for non lawyers um, mm-hmm. is like, $75 a year. It's very super yes. affordable and you have access to discounts to their main events, right? Like yes. the international bar association. Mm-hmm. So really use that to your advantage. Like we, we, I don't understand how we sign up for all these memberships. It's like the gym membership, right? Yeah. Let's just put it that way.
1: Yeah.
0: And never go to the gym. And then, and then, you know, ask yourself why you still feel unhealthy and you still feel unsatisfied. Well, you know, same thing, right? If you're paying for these memberships, if you're joining these events, if you're going to network events, not following up with the people that you've met, not mm-hmm. picking up those business cards or that, you know, responding to those emails or whatever it is, if you're not pulling in the work, you're not going to get that satisfaction back. You're not, you know, you got to put in the work. Um, we true. have the tools, we have the tools, but we have to actually put them into good use, right?
1: And and, and then sometimes it's the it's the the schools that you go to. And I've noticed that there's a lot of, colleges out there that offer paralegal classes right now. But they're only specific to the paralegal, and they don't offer other classes to help that paralegal take themselves to another level. That's why I actually like the, um, the academy that I went to. I went to the Alternative Dispute Resolution Academy. And with them, they offer different programs within their academy. So as a paralegal. You have the mediation right now. I, I saw, I think, a couple of weeks ago, they was doing the elder mediation. Yeah. That's that's coming pretty big here in uh, Florida, because the elderly, uh, you know, they have different needs in mediation than other people. Absolutely. Uh, so, so that's another thing that paralegals could try to get into because that market is it's it's huge. Um, because we, we're not going to get young. <laughs> nope, nobody has figured out how to turn back the clock of time yet. So
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's gonna be a growing industry that paralegals may want to to dip their hands into. Um, it's not um, it's a certification that you get right now. It's not um, a requirement under the Supreme Court yet, but I'm sure they they, they have a guideline for it under the DRC. So they have a guideline. So more than likely, if they have a guideline on how to teach the classes to these schools, more than likely, they, they, they're they probably going to adopt that soon and put it under the mediation umbrella of the Supreme Court.
0: Absolutely. So, and I, I'm hearing a lot of other um, paralegals also go back for like their master's, right? So their yes. master's in law. Um, I mm-hmm. know here, I'm actually looking into the program myself, Florida International has a Juris Master's instead yes. of getting your doctorate. You get so. The Yes, instead of getting your J- JD, it's a JM, so it's a juris okay. master's. Oh, that's awesome! Um, so it's for legal professionals that are in mid-career or high-career, but obviously don't want the law degree. They just want more knowledge and more education, and and they in this particular program they have concentrations. So mm-hmm. education, healthcare, business, and you pick your concentration on what you want to choose. You know, on what you want to learn and yes. what you want to concentrate on. Um, so yeah, you know, they're getting the message. They're getting the message that not everybody wants to go to law school. Not everybody wants to be a lawyer, but yet still wants to work in the legal industry and have some value and credibility on top of that. um, They want education, right? Because I feel like we still have not found the proper credibility when it comes to us non-lawyers, right? Um we most of us have paralegal certificates, are probably certified under some one of the, you know, top yeah, NALA. NALA or NAPS or Federated yep. Paralegals or, or whatever. We're probably, you know, certified under one of those, but none of them hold uh, credibility when it comes to owning your business. Right. So yeah. like lawyers have their juris doctrine and are barred with the Florida bar. We don't have that equivalent quite yet. Um, so I think this Juris master's at Florida international university is actually offering is a step forward. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm noticing that a lot of uh, other, you know, States such as like Arizona, Utah, Colorado are stepping in and providing limited licensing for paralegals where they can actually practice quote unquote and provide limited services um like an attorney but obviously you have to go through like education and credits and everything else right it's not it's not just given to you you're not going to be grandfathered in you know obviously they got to make money somehow so you got to get certified and you got to go through all the hoops and and jump through all of that but they're getting the hint that's what I'm trying to say. And these alternative dispute resolutions are, it, and we talked about this in our in our pre-interview, is it's nothing new. It, it's always no. been available, but all of a sudden the courts are now um, making it mandatory. So talk about yes. that because, you know, we, we talked about that in length, but I loved your point of view on that. So go ahead and, and speak on that.
1: Yes. Yeah, so the courts, the courts actually, even though mediation is voluntary, um, that the parties volunteer to go with, but when you go to court and you file your disputes with the courts, then the, the, the courts have that, that uh, right to actually give you that, that option to go to mediation. And every single court has a mediation program in place. Um, so the judge could say, um, you know what, you guys have to go to mediation before we could hear your case. So when they go to mediation and they come to someone like me and I help them, assist them with mediating their cases, um, once I draft up, once both parties come to agreement and I draft up the stipulation and I send it off to the J.A. Or the court system, or I file it with the court itself. Then that actually knocks the trial date out because they already solved their problem. So that that even that um, helps relieve the court system from having um, all these case loads. So it makes it easier on the judge scheduling too, because then Absolutely. the judge can now we could take this other case on because this one was solve in mediation. Yeah. So it's a win. It's a win-win for all parties, and mediation has been around centuries you have Indian tribes that's been using mediation. And a lot of people don't know that. You've got all these different tribal communities um, that's way back when been using mediation, but for some reason still up to date only till COVID have mediation really come to light. And people have really been like, oh my God, I did not know about mediation. And I st- it's still up to date. I have talked to attorneys who really still don't grasp the full aspect of mediation and that's why some of them don't even do it but they're quick to go to litigation because that's the biggest money litigation right. you know yeah, you yeah have, I mean have... we all know
0: that trials make money either yeah, cost it's... money or make money so yeah. it's 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 like a throw of the dice so we, we know sometimes it has to do with monetary um strategy mm-hmm. versus actual case strategy and Obviously, that's a conversation for another day. So there are other elements as to why ADR is not utilized, Um, but it's very popular. I I know anyway, in my personal experience, and maybe you can speak more on that, it's very popular in like family law. Um, Now I I see that arbitration in particular is becoming super popular in contract Mm -hmm. law because they have the arbitration clause where they're they're not to go to court until they arbitrate. Um, so I, I've noticed that, you know, those are the two practices that are most common uh, personal injury as well, because sometimes yes. there's not much money on there. So the, the attorneys don't want to go to trial because they're going to lose money if they go to trial. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed that in personal injury as well, especially any contingency, right? So any contingency fee cases, they'll definitely lemon try. To be,
1: the yeah. lemon law, that's, that's lemon law It's mandatory. You have to go through uh, this dispute resolution first arbitration or mediation before you know you could go off anywhere. So most of the lemma laws are settled in arbitration. I would I would think to say 95%. Oh, I didn't
0: know that. Seems like yeah.
1: I learned something. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So the huh? lemma law, yeah, that lemma law is, is, is it's 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 fun. <laughs> I do a lot of those cases. Um same as um HOAs. HOA and oh. condo Associations. Yeah. Um I don't know about other states, but I know here in Florida, before you could take your case to court. In Florida, you have to go through some type of dispute resolution process, whether if your HOA had drafted the mediation clause or they drafted the arbitration clause. But you have to go through either one of those first before you could actually bring your case to court. And, I, and I, of I think has that to do with to court, costs, right?
0: Because HOAs are not going to have that much when it comes to, well, I mean, sometimes. But when it comes sometimes to- Sometimes they have
1: money, but I, I always tell people it affects your neighbor when you go, go use that part because- that HOA pot of money that those HOA fees that pay is actually going into a pot. So mm-hmm. your neighbor is paying for that, just kind of like us paying taxes. We pay for right. something for somebody else. So it's like that when it comes to the HOA and the condo association. And mm-hmm. that's why uh, most of the courts want the condo association and the homeowner to actually go through that ADR process because some of the stuff that they have is, is like, the courts is probably looking at it like, Do you come in the courtroom with this? Yeah. So you want to change the color of your shutters and the HOA said no. So you're going to type the court's time over colors, but it's a document that you signed right here stating there's an architectural barrier or something that you have to be approved by the HOA before you could actually paint your house. But you did it anyway. But now you come to the court and want us to override a contract that you signed.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Obligation. it's contract law. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's contract law. You know, um, most of it is contract law. Some of it is, I guess, um, what I like to call trip on the shoulder.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you neighbors <laughs> not getting along,
0: was... being bittersweet yep. about it. You know, uh, um, like I, I, there was this one quote-unquote dispute, which is an amazing uh, example. Is when you're putting up fences, people are very, yes, yes. you know, very particular and you know, you have to do the blueprints and the and, and mm-hmm. see where your you know, where your property actually stands versus where it, you can actually put the fence. And, and then and line of sight,
1: line yeah. of sight is another one. Oh,
0: so, you know, and how about if you have a, a, what do you call it, an easement or something? Yes. You know, all this stuff you have to put into consideration. And You know, something that we have here in South Florida um, in particular or any metropolitan super saturated or inhabited um, cities in general, such Mm -hmm. as like Manhattan of the world or the windy cities of Chicago, um, there's zero lot lines. Um, My funny story, my husband grew up in by Jacksonville. I told you this before, but. Mm and they don't have that they have acres of land their dogs are running around on the lake you know like he's like what do you mean walk a dog the dogs run they they run all day what are you <laughs> talking about what are these leashes that we talk about and so he didn't know about a zero plot line And until he, you know, moved to South Florida and he started becoming a homeowner. And he's like, I don't even know what this means. Like, what does that mean? And basically the realtor was like, you can't walk around your house. (laughs) This is really what's (laughs) happening. (laughs) And so he's like, what do you mean I can't walk around my house? So yeah, talk about culture shock and talk about learning the hard way about certain things. And, you know, and unfortunately sometimes it's an honest mistake, right? Just people don't know. They either move from other places where they're not understanding the concept, um, speak various languages, multiple languages. So maybe English is not their main language. So they can truly understand what they were, you know, reading and signing for. So obviously it's up to us to kind of, you know, uh, we those out, right? Those are very rare.
1: Educate them a little bit.
0: And educate them a a little bit and and let them know, hey, unfortunately we understand your situation, but you're still wrong. You know, you still you know, you still sign for it. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Whether or not you understood it or not, you're, this is your signature. So, yeah. um,
1: you and know, I like the ones that I like when they say, well, I never read, I go, well, did you read it? No, I didn't read it. I put my name on it. I said, well, it's not their fault. You didn't read your contract. I yeah. mean, you could, it, that's up to you. That's your responsibility to read what you're signing. You don't just don't sign something and say, I'm going to sue you later on when something happens. And that's when you go, I'm going to get my attorney because the attorney is going to ask you first, did you read the contract? Because what I'm reading right now, they're stating in this contract that you can't put up any shutters or you can't pick them a specific color without the approval of the HOA board.
0: Right. And if English is not their primary language, I know personally in my experience they have provided a copy of certain languages. I know here very popular Creole, Portuguese, and Spanish mm-hmm. are readily available. Even our court system is providing in those three yes. languages. So really, at this point, there's no excuse, right? No, there's, you, there's no excuse. If, and if and, and most places, language is not English, make it known. Um, if it's not apparent. And they will provide you, a, obviously you can't sign that copy, but you can read it, right? Yes. And, um, and understand it before you sign the English copy. But um, at this point, it doesn't matter how much ignorance or how much um, knowledge you yeah. may or may not have on that specific um, topic, uh, there's no excuse. It, you yes, know, and there's most no... places
1: provide an interpreter anyway, because I know when yeah. I'm doing mediations and I have a language barrier, I draft an interpreter in there and I let the parties know there's going to be an interpreter involved. And then, you know, I talk to the interpreter and let the interpreter know, hey, there's a confidentiality that you're bound to because you're part of this right now, too. So I let all parties know because even the interpreter has to be bound by that confidentiality when they come into mediation. So they're bound by that same um, confidentiality, too.
0: And translators. Yes. Um, so we get a lot of translators, especially in the court systems when we're at hearings or trials or things like that, and, and the witnesses or mm-hmm. whoever is on the stand um doesn't speak primarily English. Um yeah. Yeah. So, so we have a lot of translators that do that as well, written and verbal, of course. Uh, court reporters are now becoming more popular as far as you know, translations and translating transcripts and all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, there's plenty of options out there for multi-language um. Mm-hmm. I actually went to a whole uh, convention on just multi technology and workers. So I spoke at one of them for legal operations in particular. So yeah, definitely no excuse at this point. It's all about just yeah. asking, right? You just can yeah. ask. Um, but yeah. So one last thing before I let you go. So what do you see the ADR? Like, what do you see the future of this? Do you, do you see, do you foresee maybe more of it, less of it, or more uh, innovation? Like I'm curious since you like kind of see the trends day to day, how do you foresee the future for this since there's so much it's, push on non-lawyers at this point?
1: I I see ADR right now. I've seen it as the go-to for disputes right now. I've seen it already. It's already uh, established in every government facility right now, just about every government facility has an ADR department. If you Google Department of Transportation, they have an ADR department. Even Amazon has an ADR department. eBay has an ADR department. So it's it's after again post-COVID, everybody saw a need for mediators. And it's it relieves a lot of legal battles and it solves a lot of problems because most of the disputes that's out there, it's so small when you actually dissect it down to what the really problem with a simple sorry could have solved the problem, you know? Um, So I see the ADR, um, the alternative dispute resolution trend, mediation arbitration. I see it where it's going to be internet. It's already internationally because I've done it via Zoom, WebEx, um, uh, what it's called, GoToMeeting, all these platforms that's out there is... Setting up the platforms and all the encryptions for confidentiality. They're actually working that in because of mediation is such a confidential process. They're actually integrating extra layers of encryption to make sure that the mediation process is so confidential. And it, it's it's going to be so you're going to see mediators out there. You know how you drive on Florida Highway and every time you see a billboard, it's an attorney. I yes. buy Mr. Attorneys, mediators, we are coming. Look for our <laughs> billboards. We can it's gonna be billboards saying mediators, we're gonna assist you in resolving your disputes. Come and see us, and I you can have it. all the can, I'm mediators make a, take all those billboards away. It's gonna be none for attorneys.
0: I'm gonna make a meme <laughs> out of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm
1: then done. you can see on the other side of the street, you can see paralegal firms. There, yeah. they Mr. Attorney. Yay. have plenty of uh, contracts need to be filed contact our paralegal firm.
0: (laughs) Uh, For sure. I think I you're, and I agree with you on that, that non-lawyers are really going to, and and you can see that throughout our education system. You can see the types of certification programs that are coming out, the CLEs that are coming out, right? So CLEs back in the day, and I say back in the day, I'm talking about, I've been in the business for 20 years. So Mm. like, you know, two decades ago, there was nothing. Okay. There was nothing, no CLE that was specifically geared to non-lawyers. You would not find not one CLE that was Mm -hmm. geared to non-lawyers. Everything was towards your bar, whatever bar it was. Um, so I, I noticed that because I primarily focus on the education, right? So educating all that good stuff. Um, that's what my concentration's on So I've noticed that in our education system with the programs and certifications and CLEs that are coming out that are talking about communication and that are talking about emotional intelligence and trauma and grief. And these are things that non-lawyers deal with mostly Mm -hmm. um, with their clients. Right. As far as professional, obviously, we all have our own traumas and griefs and mental health is should always be a priority along with your physical health. But that's, again, another topic for another day. Yeah. But understanding that shift, right, understanding that um, they're getting it, you know, they're getting the message there, we're seeing progress, we're seeing results, which is what everybody cares about, results, yes. right? Yes. The bottom line. And so the bottom line is, on that on that note, the bottom well, line don't
1: start, the, the, well, like you said, the non-lawyers, and a lot of people don't is, but non-lawyers are like loan signing agents, like I'm a loan signing agent too. So, okay. I do so when you become a loan signing agent, you could and a notary, you can actually do you could help people out with immigration forms, yes. like immigration form specialists. I do that, my friend, we do that too. So, as an immigration form specialist, you're helping those uh, people who have problems with coming to America and, and needing those visas and their green cards and all those things, you're helping them actually fill out those documents and help them to. And that's another thing because lawyers. You can't, and, and again, as an immigration form specialist, you cannot give advice either. But you could fill out the forms and send it in. But now the Department of Justice—don't quote me on it—is work. They have a special program that you sign up for, and then you can actually go to court on behalf of that applicant now. Mm-hmm. But you have to—you have to think—you have to be like a five hundred one c three organization to receive that credential from the Department of Justice. Right. The and, of Justice and this
0: Department. is new to us. I think to America, but yeah. around the world, India has what's called the barefoot paralegal, which are paralegals yes. that don't have um degrees and go and you know the, or don't have law degrees, I'm sorry, and mm-hmm. go to court and represent their clients. Ontario, Canada, if you guys haven't checked it out, Rebecca Tripp she talks about how they do uh limited licensing practicing over there on small claims like uh traffic tickets, simple divorces, you know little things right we're not mm-hmm. talking about. Heavy litigated, you know, um, jury trials, you know, that, you know, yes, we're going to leave those to the lawyers. There's always a place and a time for everything. We're talking about what I call the day in and day out cases, right? So traffic Mm -hmm. tickets, simple divorces with little to no assets, no minors, things like that. You know, things that we, it's just literally filling out, like what you said, literally filling out paperwork. Um, and understanding that document a little better than the average yes. person is what 's going to set you aside and what 's really um going to alleviate the gap right because there's such a legal gap um right now where people can't afford. for a divorce. I mean, literally, they're getting divorced. (laughs) So it's like, you know, like, obviously, they're not going to be able to afford that right now. And here, attorneys are doing it for simple divorces.
1: So I've had some attorneys, um, for divorce divorce attorneys who actually contact my firm. And we've done the separation of assets. We don't do the other stuff. So they focus on the other stuff. And we do the separation of assets. So we get with both parties. And we, you know, like me, I say, here's your list. Give me a list of your needs, your must haves and stuff that you're willing to negotiate to give away in in exchange for something else. So I could sit down with the other side and both parties and say, "Okay, this particular side want this and the other side wants that. Mm -hmm. What do you want? And then we negotiate from there. And attorneys don't like, well, the ones I know don't like doing that. They like to be in the courtroom. They like to be doing the depositions. They like to be with the investigator. What did you find this week? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking like, like a
0: strategy, I'm, right? So yeah. the lawyer's job is to strategize and create a strategy in which it can best fit the best interests of their client. That's yes. really what their job is about. There yes. are law clerks that can do the research, litigation paralegals, investigative uh, consultants. There's paralegal consultants such as myself. There's um all-in-oneer just like you where you it's a yeah. one-stop yeah. shop. You know, there's plenty of other outsources that they can do in order to get the job done and get it done well at a lower cost. So understanding that there are other options out there is kind of the purpose of this conversation today, right? It's literally alternative dispute resolutions. So understanding that there are other options, affordable options out there for people that cannot afford the big bill, right? That's what I call it, the big bill, right? Uh, That scary sticker shocker that, you know, you pay $5,000 a retainer. Once they eat that up, it's like $500 uh, an hour um, after that. So it's like not you know, most of our, our population here in the States is unable to afford those types of services and survive and yes, survive yes. because and I, and, you and know I like the to, length of time that yes. you'll have to be continuously paying for that amount.
1: Yes, and i like to throw this out there for you all, some of your uh, paralegal listeners that's out there who feel like, you know, I wish I could have been a judge one day, but it just costs too much time. Well, the closest thing to a judge is an arbitrator. So if you, if you felt like you wanted to be a judge, and you don't, you can't do it now for whatever reason, go. There's arbitration school. Go out there and be an arbitrator. An arbitrator is a person who both parties have designated to hold to pose a decision on their dispute. So That's he good. is pretty much the judge in, in arbitration. So he sits down, you, you have to do the same process as if, if you go to court. So the arbitrator sits there, and sometimes it's a, either just one arbitrator or it's a panel. Just again, it depends on the dispute. If it's a construction case. Is more than likely going to be three arbitrators. It's never going to be a balance because they always need one party to throw it off and never come to a tie
0: or a stalemate. Right. right.
1: So the arbitrator, he's going to be there. He or she um, is going to be there and they're going to listen to your case. Each party is going to have an opening statement and you present your case and your facts. And, you know, like me, I always expect to have, at least if I'm doing the, the arbitration, I like to have a week with the case files to go over all your documents, read it, um, look at the uh, expert witness statements, and get gather all that stuff so I can know exactly what's going on. Then, when you come in front of me and then you present your case with your opening statement and arguments, then I could see who argued the best in the case. And I look at the facts, I look at you know everything in the case as well as your opening statement. Because sometimes what you have on paper and what you see out your mouth. It's two different things. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that happens in the courtroom as well. So, you know, very um, similarities that you identified there. So that's awesome. But anyways, Joseph, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I feel like we can talk about this all day, which I wish. That would be amazing. Um, (laughs) But, you know, we can't can't prolong this. So unfortunately, we have to go. But thank you for listening, guys. Thank you for being on the show. And
1: thank you so much for
0: now. Have a wonderful time. Until justice is served, I'll be here, guys. Bye.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: Do you see decline in productivity, lack of motivation, or even high turnover at the law firm? This is probably because there is a lack of tools and training. Maybe you are seeking to enhance your skills and knowledge. Look no further than Rosa LLC, your premier provider of law firm staff training services and legal education for all legal professionals. At Rosa LLC, we understand the importance of continuous learning in the legal field. That's why we offer comprehensive training programs designed to empower your team with the latest legal insights and strategies. Rosa speaks both lawyer and paralegal, which provides her with the edge you need to get your staff where they need to be. Whether you are looking to sharpen your skills, stay up to date on industry trends, Rosa LLC has the resources you need to succeed. Our flexible training programs can be customized to fit your firm's unique needs and schedule, ensuring minimal disruption to your day-to-day operations say goodbye to outdated training methods, and hello to cutting-edge legal education with Ederosa LLC. Contact us today to learn more about how we can help you and your firm thrive in today's ever-changing legal landscape. Click the link below and schedule your 15-minute chat today.